This is Season 2, Episode 2 of the Steady Trade Podcast. Today we're talking with up-and-coming super trader Roland Wolf, who makes an average of a steady $1,000 per day with his trading. He'll explain how he does it, and of course, we're still giving away a laptop computer, free subscriptions to Stocks to Trade Pro, and a bunch of other stuff. It could be yours. Take a listen. So, would like to welcome you back to the Steady Trade Podcast. This is a first of, you know, many of these type of episodes that we're going to do. One of the things that we want to bring to you in this podcast and in our goals is to, you know, you know, a lot of you are new traders, evolving traders, and ultimately, I think, you know, in my life, I have, uh, you know, really focused on on trying to emulate and learn from others. I think that's one of the best ways to learn and to improve in anything, whether that be your woodworking skills, your trading skills, your fitness or anything. And that's the beauty of the internet. And that's, that's what podcasting, YouTube, I mean, the technology, I've always been about self-improvement. I'm so jealous I didn't have YouTube when I was a kid, but uh, that that's kind of the goal for today is to interview a great up-and-coming trader that I've just actually just met about a month ago. I still haven't had a chance to get to know him real well, but uh, Roland Wolf is our guest today, and what what we're really going to kind of get into is is his history. I mean, he is, uh, you know, you know, in in the trading world, um, he is one of the fastest advancing traders I have ever seen. Um, as of today, in roughly the end of of October 2017, I mean, this guy's turned four thousand dollars into, I think, roughly three hundred thousand. Dollars. Um, I tell, I tell, I, I tell everybody. Um, I say this probably three times a week. Um, I may be the old, crusty veteran, you know, the old, the old bastard trader, but I tell everybody I might have been around for a long time. But if you gave me a four thousand dollar account and told me to turn it into three hundred grand in like a year. I would probably have a heart attack at that point. So, <laughs> no, and it's it's not just that, Tim. I mean, what I admire about Roland as well is is just how handsome he is. I mean, he is he's not Indeed. just successful. He's not just successful, but he is one handsome mofo yeah, you know, and, and t- total total triple <laughs> triple threat. You know, unlike you, Stephen. Unlike you, he's handsome. Unlike <laughs> unlike you, he's smart. Unlike you, he's charismatic. Unlike you, he's well spoken. I mean, he's like he's the quadruple threat. He's the exact I, I antithesis am... of Stephen. I thought about that. Like I'm, I met Roland in Italy, and we'll, we'll let him speak in a moment. But I was like, I'm just a worse version of Roland. <laughs> but that's okay because Roland's Roland's pretty good. Like Roland's pretty good. But uh, Roland, I mean, how how would you introduce yourself? Just introduce yourself to the Steady Trade Podcast. Give a big welcome, you handsome man. Yep, yep. I I think you know I think a lot of people that listen to the podcast might be a little familiar with who you are. But I think you know just in case somebody has no idea who you are, maybe kind of back. Up, give a little bit of history and, and kind of how you got from what you were doing a year ago to where you're at today. Yeah, what's up, guys? So, yeah, Roland Wolf here. Um, so, basically, I prior to trading, I played soccer collegiately and then at the professional level in South America and Europe. Uh, and then a really bad, had a really bad ankle injury, like shattered my ankle basically while I was in Croatia. And 
And that left me 24 years old, kind of trying to figure out what to do um, and kind of left a big void there as to what, what am I going to do with my life? Now, uh, now just, just timeline wise, whereabouts yeah. are we, whereabouts are we at the point of the injury? How long ago was that? I mean, that was like six years ago, but, okay, okay, wow. but, it, okay. but it basically all led to this. I mean, everything kind of led to this and, uh, so, you know, I spent the last, I don't know, five or six years just floating around trying to figure out what to do with my life. Um, and nothing was ever really fulfilling for me. And I wasn't able to apply any of the skills I had towards anything, really. Um, and then I ended up stumbling across Tim Sykes on uh, while doing some research. I was trying to invest what little money I had. Um, I think it was about $500 or something like that of spare money I wanted to try to invest. And so you were, you, were, you, were, you, you were doing the investing thing, the, the buy and yes. hold type. Yes, yep. and, okay. and you know, with 500, 600 bucks, what I mean, I, what I did was I did a dart throw. I saw, I said, what can I buy at least 20 shares of? And it was, there were two companies. It was uh, Bank of America, which that didn't do well, but I lost, you know, maybe 50 bucks or something over the span of six months. And then the other one was ABX. It's a gold company. And I, I knew nothing about them. I just knew they were low priced enough for me to buy enough shares. So it's not like one share, basically. Um, and that doubled, actually, over the span of the next six months. So I was like, wow, like, you know, it is possible. But that took a long time. And now now my $400 investment is $800 um, over six months. So, I mean, that led me to try to find maybe a more aggressive approach, Um and that led me to Tim Sykes. You know, I was Googling uh, day trading and whatnot and stumbled across Tim. Um, I think not unlike many other people, I was thinking, you know, get rich quick scheme, that kind of thing. Um, but I gave it a shot. I read his little guide, his little 101 on penny stocking, and it totally made sense to me. I mean, it's, it made complete sense to me. And I realized with small amount of capital, it's really my only route to trading. Um, and, and so that's what I did. So I took what I doubled from ABX and I pulled out a bank of America and it was, who I was capital 360, I think was the account I had. It used to be something else, but capital, capital one, 360. Uh, I took the funds out of there. It was about, it was about, uh, almost a grand at that point. And I opened an E-Trade account instead. Uh, I joined penny stocking silver with Tim. Um, and, and really I just kind of jumped into trading and that's, that's how I started. I didn't do, I did a lot of research on YouTube and, and, uh, went through a lot of Tim's videos and stuff like that. But then I just kind of, I just kind of jumped in the deep end and started trading basically. Um, (laughs) I I just really want to ask just, just to give a lot of people some peace of mind out there. What did you feel when you looked at the screens and you saw the charts and numbers running for the first time? Like how did it make you feel seeing that for the first time? I mean, well, first of all, when I first started with Tim and I first started trying to do the uh, day trading thing, I didn't even have, I didn't have E-Trade Pro. I had no trading software. I think like a lot of people when they start, I was online clicking refresh to check the price yep. over and over again. Or, I mean, or, going to, or going to like Yahoo Finance or something exa- like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just completely no clue what I was doing. Um, but it's scary, right? It is. But then once I got, I got E-Trade Pro eventually, and once I actually got to sit through a market open and look at and watch the market open and the stock start going, I mean, I was like a lost old puppy. I had no clue. Uh, it was 
was very overwhelming for and for quite a while, for several months. I mean, I couldn't get my finger on the pulse. Like I had no clue what was going on, and I was chasing. Um, I had E-Trade's little built-in scanner saying this is running, that's running. And I was going and I thought everyone in the chat room knew what they were talking about. So I was trying to follow them around and chasing alerts and all that stuff. I mean, pretty which, basic, which you, normal things. You know, I mean, Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I, I see a kind of roll in your eyes while you say that. But it's kind of like everybody, well, not everybody, but almost everybody, kind of you, you, you hear this story over and over and over again where you, you just kind of have to, it's like stepping across the minefield. I mean, you're going to oh, yeah. step on a few mines. Everybody makes the same mistakes. But ultimately, you know, I use the I use the analogy of burning your hand on the stove. It's mm-hmm. like you got you kind of got to burn your hand a few times before you're like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Definitely. Almost like a, an, a, the analogy I use is like beating your head up against the wall over and over yep. again yep. Until, until you figure out, you know what, I got to do something different because this hurts. Exactly. It doesn't work. <laughs> And uh, that's and that's yeah. So that's what I was doing. Um, the alerts thing, uh, listening to other people, and just trying to uh, chase stocks around. And and actually, the one thing is, I always kind of had a knack for picking stocks. Um, and uh, you know, when you're under PDT, PDT stands for Pattern Day Trader Rule, which states that a pattern day trader must maintain minimum equity of twenty five thousand dollars on any day that the customer day trades. Tim and Steven will talk more about PDT in future episodes. P.S. I love Steven. That is all. You know, when you're under PDT, you have to get kind of creative with how you're trading. You can't just trade anything at any time. You have to try to figure out, you know, uh, my bread and butter for quite a while was overnight holds. I mean, I figured if I want to maximize how many trades I can get out of a week, I need to do overnight holds. Um, so, so that's what I spent a lot of time working on. Um, and and just just real kind of quick on that yeah. setup, I'm assuming, you know, this it's, it's probably the standard gapper type setup, right? I mean, yeah. you're basically you're looking for stocks that are that were running during the day and closing strong at the end of the day type thing. I yeah, think, cl- right? closing strong, uh, preferably some sort of catalyst, and a yep. good catalyst is better, obviously. Um, not too much overhead resistance, that kind of stuff. I mean, nothing, but, nothing, you know. Uh, extraordinary, super just, sophisticated at all. No, yeah, very, yeah. I kept it simple. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I think yeah, a I lot of that, people are going to gone. Well, sorry, and then I'll let you go. I think that is a great thing to focus on if you're listening if, and you're under the PDT. Find that kind of that one setup and just keep repeating, repeating, and repeating. That's the best way to get you over the PDT. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And and that and that's an awesome point. But I just want to take it a step back. As as a trader who's trying to get over the PDT right now, I've got about twelve thousand to go. So it's very very interesting for me. Very interesting for other people. But how do you find that one? Setup? setup so i just i want to take it a step back because you've repeated and rinsed that setup but how do you find the setup is it tracking in excel and looking for the right variables or is it just a knack of thinking i've seen this again i've seen this again you know at first uh even now i mean i i I still try to keep it really simple so like like i said uh something to close in kind of near its highs at least something that closed strong good catalyst um and then it's, you know, I'm looking for large percent gainers. I mean, that's the same thing I look for every day. I mean, I want to be playing where everyone else is playing for the most part. Um, at least when I'm, you know, I've developed some, not developed, but I've adopted some different strategies at this point um, that aren't necessarily so simple and so um, 
basic, but that's because I'm not under PDT anymore, so I can do some other stuff. Um, but you know, when you're under PDT, you have to maximize. You have to maximize every trade. That's how it felt to me. Um, and the only way to do that would be to have to keep it consistent. So if something was working for me and I'm under PDT, I'm going to keep doing that because I mean, three day trades a week. Um, so the way I saw it, at least at, at first, was I got three day trades a week for a rolling five day period, and then I have uh, and then I have five overnight holds if I want. Um, yep. And and that's yeah, so that's I, what I did. I mean, over and over again, just overnight holds. Yep. And I think that's a great way to approach it. And that's what I tell everybody. I'm like, everybody wants to complain about the PDT, but I'm like, hey, if you got a small account, you can still trade eight times a week. And if you're getting started, in my opinion, you do not need to be trading more than eight times a week. That That is plenty no, for a new trader. You know? Even for so, experienced traders, like even for me, like if I'm trading more than 10 times a week or something like that, I'm probably over trading. And I'm, exactly. And you're, I mean, and you're probably, you're at least for me, and maybe you're similar, if I'm trading that much, it probably means I'm having a terrible fucking week. <laughs> and that's, no, but like, so, that's I, very true. But like, I don't know what you guys think, but the best advice I ever got when I was starting out and loads of people told me it on YouTube they were saying just find one or two setups that work and only trade them because they're the setups that work for you and stop trading randomly because you'll just for wow up I mean what do you guys think about that? You, you, you're, you're the guest role and you, yeah, hey, so, everybody, here, everybody hears from me way too much I talk too much already. <laughs> yeah so I mean uh, it's 100% true I mean if, if you're um if you're trying all these new strategies and stuff like that, I mean, chances are it's not going to work out too well. Um, you, for me, I, wa I didn't want to spread myself too thin over different strategies. I just wanted to find something I was good at, um, kind of a little niche, you could say. But, but uh, I just wanted to find something that would be consistently profitable that would get me over PDT. That was my whole goal. And, and so, like I said, my bread and butter was just very, very simple. Um, and the thing I liked about it was I get my overnight hold. If it doesn't gap up, if it doesn't spike in the morning, I could just jam out. No big deal. Uh, wait for wait for the next setup in the afternoon. I would never take, I mean, unless I had day trades, obviously, but I would rarely take a trade in the morning and, you know, for trying to have the goal of holding overnight. Um, it's just really tough to, to catch that kind of stuff because it's so volatile in the morning. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And again, we talk about, you know, we, we can kind of move on. But as new traders, mm -hmm. you know, I, I tell everybody, I'm like, again, if, if you watch the action in the morning, know what's in play, research the catalyst, watch the price action. But event, eventually, you know, you're better off looking at that post 2 p.m. area for entry, whether it's long or short. That mm -hmm. way you're much, much less likely to get shook out and you're much less likely to burn up all your day trades that way. Right, yeah, 100%, no doubt about it. Um, we, the other thing would be, uh, yeah, I mean, basically what you said. I would only take overnight positions into the afternoon past 2 p.m. Uh, for that exact reason. And then I hear a lot of people who end up stuck in trades because they're on their last day trade and they're, you know, they'll have some sort of restriction mm -hmm. put on their account. And I think that is like one of the worst things that you can possibly do, uh, especially if you're under PDT and you're thinking, I mean, one of the hardest parts about being under PDT is cutting losses, at least for me. Sure. That was, especially at first, I had to Fair get enough. over, I had to get over the fact that I'm going to be wrong a lot. And when I'm wrong, I have to cut losses because if not, I'll just blow my small account up 
quickly. And ultimately, you know, and, and again, I talk about this a lot, you know, ultimately, you know, I know it's frustrating people to, you know, because remember, if, if you're new, you might not know, but the PDT, basically, you get three uh, day trades, so in and out the same day per rolling five-day period. I tell everybody, just relax. This is a journey, you know. If you got to wait two or three days to get your day trades back, relax, study, watch video lessons, listen to the Steady Trade podcast. You know, you can do a lot of stuff. You don't need to put yourself in that bind where you're trapped in a position because you might not be able to close out a position because then you'll violate that. Mm -hmm. You'll put on a 90-day restriction. You know, there's all these bad things to happen. You got 200-plus trading days a year. Roland's a young guy. He's got 60, 70, 80 years to trade. Just relax. Work within those boundaries, and it's not that big a deal no. if you got to wait a couple days. And and you develop good habits, I think. When you're yep. so so when you're in a PDT, you're trying to find overnight holds. You're tr- I mean, you have to be patient first of all, and then you have to take only the best setups. So you're not taking just random midday setups that you know that'll shake you out like that. So I think it's I think you know I I think it's a it's kind of a mixed bag there, but I think there's good and bad, but mostly good. I mean, it's a, you can complain about it all you want, but it's something that's here and it's not going away anytime soon. And so you got to deal with it and learn how to, uh, how to work with it. So let, let's, let's kind of fast forward a little bit sure. to kind of, uh, you know, to where, you know, I feel like, you know, you know, where, where Roland exploded on the scene, um, kind of back to this spring. Mm-hmm. Um, it helped me out with the timeline if I'm wrong, but no, I think that's kind of kind of where you caught your stride. Yeah. Um, what uh, you know? What, what was there? Was was it just constant grinding? Was there any particular thing? You know, did you did you go to the top of the mountain and meditate for for six months, come down yeah. the mountain and, and 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 become the trader you are, or you know, kind of what was what what was the tipping point there? Yeah, so definitely nothing like that. But um, so through, so so through. Uh, I, I I like how he was like, no, no, I did not. Really I would hey, if that would work, I would do it. Put it that way. <laughs> but um, no, so I mean, through I think through November of last year, so the first four or five months that I was trying to trade, um, I didn't really invest in any sort of education whatsoever. I was just winging it like. Uh, I think at one point, even it was this was just before the shippers took off, uh, dry ships and Sino and all those ones. Um, and I was, and like I said, I kind of had a knack for picking these overnight plays. And every time I'd pick an overnight play, not every time, but quite often, I would pick the biggest gainer for the next day, um, even if it wasn't the biggest gainer the day the previous day. Just like finding ones that close strong and whatever. Um, and then I think at one point, because I would watch, all I would do is watch Tim's little video lesson every day. That's it. And I thought that that was enough. Um, I, you know, I thought that that was putting in work. I would just put it on the way home. But but um, I think at one point around November or so, I remember even thinking to myself that, like, I don't even need Tim. I don't need any more education. Like, I figured out how to find these stocks. That's all I need. Um, and there was there were some several rude awakenings the next month uh, when particularly with the shippers where I was in Sino, it went up 
uh, I think I was in at $7 a share and I had, I was all in on this trade. Um, and the next morning I woke up to the, just the biggest gap ever. It was like $13 or something like that. <laughs> and, and Tim saying to everyone, you know, he'd be selling if, if he were long, he would be selling pre-market. And I was thinking to myself how he didn't know what he was talking about. Like volume's going to come in. This thing's going to go to 20 or something. And sure enough, uh, right out the gate, it just starts tanking, you know, 12, yeah. 11, 10, nine. And I'm just watching my big profits, like, like account changing profits, double my account changing profits, um, just dwindling. Um, I think I got out with like $200 profit or something like that. It was <laughs> Man, rough. What was, what, what, what was the mat? I mean, obviously unrealized, but how much unrealized was, I was up like, like five grand or six grand or something oh, like that. Um, the more, more than I normally make even now, I mean, on a trade sure. and, yeah. and that was, um, it wasn't like a huge demoralizing loss, but but just losing those unrealized gains and thinking I knew what I was doing and then freezing like that, um, hoping it's going to come back up and all that stuff. Um, that mixed with a couple other trades that, that kind of similar trades like, like that, um, were the catalyst to me deciding, you know what, I'm going to take some of this money and invest in my education. Like I'm going to buy some DVDs, whatever. Cause I was just being a cheap ass, like <laughs> to, to be honest, like I just, and I didn't have too much capital anyway. So I figured, you know, I need this capital to trade with. So why am I going to spend, you know, a thousand dollars on anything in, in terms uh, of that's education? A, and that's an important point as well. And uh, I actually want to talk to you a little bit about Italy, just because mm. we had a fun time out there. I mean, but before we, I jump into Italy with you, what like, what would you, if you could go back and do it all again in hindsight, would you put it all in education? Would you put half, half? Uh, what, how would you feel about it? Would you just track some spreadsheets? What, what's, because I think a lot of people are probably wondering that. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously if I had to go back, I wouldn't do too much different. Obviously it led me to this point now. Uh, you did pretty uh, well. But for most, but I mean, if I had to give anyone advice as to what to do, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent would have saved myself so much aggravation, just by taking a little bit of my capital and 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 educating myself. You know, I mean, get some material. There's a lot of great material out there. Um, particularly for me, it was trading tickers by Gratani, yeah. uh, by Tim Gratani, and then I got How to Make Millions. Those were the first two that I got, and they were, I mean, they were mind blowing to me. All the things I did not know. Yeah. Um, I mean, just yeah, I completely that's, that's, changed me. That is one thing that that, um, that that is often overlooked in new traders is you can make a couple green trades, but you there's times you don't realize what you don't know. There is a I mean, hey, I've been still. at this a long yeah, I've been at this yeah. a long time, and I'm still learning stuff. I'm still evolving. I still get asked a question sometimes, and like, oh, I don't, I don't know. Let me, let me look that up. You know, it's it's a constant evolution for sure. I think that's, I think that's one of the coolest parts about trading too. Yes. You know, it's, I mean, you get to constantly expand and you get to constantly learn. Um, if it was something that you could just master, and then you're just a master and just kill it every day, um, I'd probably get bored with it, to be honest. I think it's, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot like a, you know, it's like, it's a lot like a martial art. You know, mm. it's like, you know, there's always 100%. somebody out there. There's always somebody better. There's always somebody better. Definitely. You can practice, 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 learn, learn, learn. And if you don't stay on it, you're going to get your butt whooped. So 
And and that's the fun thing. And, and I just I have to pre- I have to pay a little bit of tribute uh, to Roland. So Roland, it's it's nice to have this opportunity. But uh, I met Roland in Italy for the first time, and I, I I thought at first I thought who's this who's this kid with the slick black black hair and the glasses? I think I think I know him from <laughs> somewhere. And I, I saw him on a few Tim Sykes DVDs. And uh, obviously, when I found out he was up a few hundred thousand, I was thinking, I need to ask this man as much as I possibly can over this three-day market mastery. And I was asking him, and I was asking him, and I was asking him, and it was over coffees, over drinks, whatever. And the best piece of advice Roland ever gave to me, and it was the tipping point in making me from losing to more profitable, it was just buy when people are selling and sell when people are buying. And look at the the resistance points. The I've got a video of it. He's like, look at the fifteen minute resistance point over thirty days. And honestly, Roland, that that was game changing for me. Absolute game changing. So, the question to me is, do you have any other insatiable, <laughs> crazy advice like that? <laughs> because, do you have any advice to give other people? Because that is bloody mind blowing. Yeah. So so. I got these DVDs and definitely made me realize what I don't know. And when it came, and then what we talked about in Italy was, I guess one of the things that changed for me was that if 90, 90% of traders fail, okay, yeah, then why do I want to do what everyone else is doing? Like, why do I want to buy anything that anyone in the chat room is buying when they're all buying it? That makes absolutely no sense to me. Why am I going to buy spikes? Why am I going to buy, you know, chase moves around? Um, that's the exact formula for losing in the long run, I think. Um, one thing that kept me, uh, I like dip buying. I'm a big dip buyer. I like buying panics. Um, I like buying stocks that get overextended to the downside. Um, a lot which, of that, which, 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 just real quick, as a, sure. as a quick, a quick anecdote before I let you go. Sure. So we're getting we're getting ready to do the podcast, and and what what is it? What is it? LRTFM. Yeah. Yeah. Big Anyway, some shitty lithium pump and dump play. It it completely falls apart today. And someone someone asked, they're like, "What was that?" that little blip why didn't it go straight down and i'm like it was probably fucking dipshit dip buyers and then and, and roland's like that that was me like, oh, shit. he's like we're, we're about to we're recording this podcast in 10 minutes and i called him a dipshit i'm like oh man talk, talk about insert the foot in the mouth yeah that's amazing no and and the i mean the thing is is like so, so watching uh, trading tickers and then realizing how short sellers work a lot more, you know, I mean, some, I mean, not all the time, but there are a lot of short sellers who love shorting parabolic moves. I mean, they love shorting spikes, like, and there's a reason for that because there, there's a lot of emotion involved. People are greedy, trying to chase moves up. Um, and there's, and there's a lot of opportunity there, even if you're just catching a pullback, um, and so I decided, you know, particularly uh, when my account was a bit smaller, that I can't really do that. I mean, I can't find the shares when when they're ready to be, you know, when the backside comes. Um, and I just don't have the capital to short enough shares once these stocks get overextended like that. So I kind of took it and I flipped it upside down and said, well, if it gets overextended to the upside, they don't stocks don't go straight up. They have to pull back then. Well, they also don't go straight down. Um, so that's when, you know, and I know Tim was doing a lot of dip buying and stuff like that. But uh, now now I will say this, dip buying, you know, panics and stuff like that is not necessarily the best strategy if you're under, under the PDT rule. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it could and, easily. And I, and I would say, and again, I'm not, you know, everything is 
different traders do different things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a big fan of dip buying, but I would, you know, the big thing I would say, I mean, it works, no doubt it works. But the other thing is I always say it's a lot like shorting parabolics. I mean, if your discipline isn't on point, you need to avoid shorting oh, yeah. parabolics and you mm-hmm. need to sh- avoid dip buying because yep. if you're dip buying a stock that's down 30%, what mm-hmm. do you do when it's down 40? What do you do when it's down 50? Right. You know, so these are, once you are at the point where you can stick to your plan, your discipline is on point, that's when you start trading these strategies. Because if you're short in a parabolic or dip buying a washout, if you don't stick to your plan and stop out, it can get ugly fast. Oh, I 100% agree with that. And uh, and that's something I've always been good at because – so when I started trading, I mean, you know, I learned from Tim and his set of rules. And rule number one was cut losses quickly. Um, so for me, I took that to heart. I mean, that's, that's the one thing for the most part. I've had lapses in concentration and discipline at times. Um, but, but for the most part, that is the number one thing I do no matter what. Now, I didn't have a – any idea of what risk management was when I started. Um, I didn't even know what risk meant really. Um, for me, it was just cut losses quickly. So if you look at, I don't know, maybe my first hundred trades or something like that, I never had a loss more than like a hundred dollars. And the reason for that was because my idea of cutting losses quickly meant like if the trade goes against you, just cut it. And, and you know what? I mean, now I don't now that's, that's not how I, how I, assess and, and manage my risk now. But but I would say this, that is a great way for new traders. I mean hundred percent. You know, you know, you can start doing, you know, using the chart, using all these indicators once you're down that path. But when you're when you got a couple thousand dollar account, you just gotta stop at a hundred, stop at a hundred, stop at a hundred, stop at a hundred yeah. over and over again. Yep. That's how that's how you're gonna be long term successful. That, and that's what that's what I tell people all the time too is like that's that was my that is how I did and when I started sizing up even I still I stuck to that I mean it was just one of those things that kept me really safe and um, you know the whole PDT rule it, it is tough to cut losses under PDT I understand that but what's worse cutting a loss quickly maybe so what the worst case scenario is that you cut your loss quickly. And then it and then it rips without you, which happened to me a lot, many, many, many times, and that's frustrating for sure. But what's much worse than that would be not cutting your loss and then blowing your account up and taking you out of the game. I mean, you you have to stay in the game. That's that's one of the number one things I think is like not letting your account. Uh, I mean, if it takes everyone takes a different amount of time, but you got to stay in the game until it clicks for you. I mean, and it may take six months. It may take a year. It may take three years. First, I've heard stories of years and years and years, and one day it finally clicks for you. So, and Roland, I've just got to say, like, how how would you describe the moment it clicks? Does it gradually click for you? Did you think, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm getting it? Or did all of a sudden you just think, shit, I've got this? Honestly, it was just my account. I looked at my account. I was like, holy crap. Like, I was over PDT. <laughs> I, I'm serious. I was over PDT. Um <laughs> And then, and then it just kept growing and growing. And I, and that's still how I feel. Like I still, some days I'm like, holy crap, like what even, what's going on? Like what just happened? Um, I don't, I don't rest on it. Like I don't look, I don't even look at, I don't even think of it as my money. Like I just am trying to grow as a trader. And, and I think that's, I think that's really important too, is not just worrying about the money, but worrying about performing well. If you're performing well 
and growing, then your account will naturally grow. Um, and that's something that I still focus on. I don't, I could have a green day, a really green day and still feel like I traded really crappy and it doesn't feel good. But that, that's uh, yeah, the winner's mindset, right? Yep, and, and I tell you, that's that's a you know because we've all gotten lucky, we've all gotten saved. <laughs> but I mean, you know, to me, <laughs> you know, and, and this is really, I think it's hard for a new trader to understand. But I mean, you can have a red day, and and it's a good day. I mean, if you made yep. the right decision, you know, if if everything was just right in this trade, you know, you did all your due diligence, everything, you know, you did all your pre work, you trade it. Some unexpected news comes out, you know, the thing sells off, anything can happen. But if you did your work, you stopped out where you said you would, that's a good day. You know, and I think that's something that a lot of new guys need to get in their heads. Yeah, yeah. it's a little yeah. bit like roulette as well. Eh? I mean, because the house always wins. The house might lose the odd day. You might, someone might get lucky on roulette one day. But ultimately, if, if the house does the same thing over and over and over again, the house wins. And that's why it does win. And you need to be the house when you're trading. We had an analogy, maybe. I don't know. Is no, that, no. I mean, that's, yeah. No, I've, I've heard that used with trading a lot. Have that mindset. Yep. So. Yeah, and I, I mean, while we're talking about the casino, but but I, I did uh, I had a long period of blackjack playing actually, um, and and I was counting cards like going I, what I watched that movie Twenty One with uh, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I know, read the book. The, the, MI, the I, I, MIT. I didn't see yeah. the movie, but I did read the book. Yeah, it's the MIT team, you know, who would yep. go and just kill it at the casino, and so that got me into card counting, and so I spent. Uh, I, I want to say about four or five months, almost every day, trying to play blackjack and really, and I would have, and yeah, and I and I did well. Um, it's kind of tough to count cards when there's like eight decks, but <laughs> but but I, you know, that was me counting, you know, one card at a time and doing the little math in my head and pretending like I was some big shot blackjack player who was like pretending that he's not a card counter, like the whole <laughs> nine yards. <laughs> and but what I realized is that no matter what I do. It's not, I'm never going to have an edge. I mean, the right. most, even when it's the count is perfect, the most advantage I could have, if any, is like 0.5 or 1%. Right. Um, and it's a losing proposition in the end. So, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a whole MIT team behind me. But um, I think, you know, and I think that's, you know, and that's why we kind of chuckle about mentioning the casino a lot because we've all heard, you know, especially from, I'll call them civilians, you know, people that aren't tr full-time mm -hmm. traders. Right. Oh, you guys are just gambling. You know, I've had people, you know, I've, yeah, I've yeah. got my screens up. I have somebody stop, you know, somebody stops by my house and they're like, oh, mm -hmm. you're just gambling. I'm like, no. I'm like, there's a difference. You Big difference, oh, yeah. You, yeah, you can. Now, it won't always work, but you can find edges in trading, particularly low price stocks. I mean, you can find an edge there where gambling, like you said there, I mean, I mean, I know some guys do it, but you're talking what 0.0001%. You know? If that, right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but it goes, go ahead. I'm just saying it goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's just, I mean, for me, you find the edge by looking at what everyone's doing and doing the opposite. I mean, it kind of is that simple and you don't need, I mean, you've had superhuman results, Roland, but you're not necessarily a superhuman. You don't, I mean, what level of intelligence would you say you, you needed to have to be a successful trader? What, what are the characteristics you need? I mean, I think sometimes uh, from some people I've spoken with, 
like too much intelligence can almost hurt you. I mean, I mean, you're if you're overthinking and you're trying to get all complex with these strategies and with these, particularly penny stocks, they're not that complicated. Like the game is not that complicated if you understand the overall kind of big picture of what's yeah, happening. I'll actually, you know, I'll actually kind of get in arguments with guys at times because they want to sit there and read these financial statements and read mm-hmm. these SEC filings, and they're they're really smart guys. Mm-hmm. But it's like, hey. You can do all that fundamental research, all that digging into financials and everything, but ultimately this stock is moving three hundred percent because of because of the crowd, basically. Right. So, so yeah. yeah, I think like you're you need to understand this stuff. You need to do your research. But yeah, I've seen guys that overanalyze as well. Which I mean, there's no real point in really overanalyzing any of these cheap crappy stocks i mean that just doesn't make sense you're wasting time really for the most part i go through um one of the one of the things i do do is i do go through sec filings and i think i personally have found a small edge there and that's all i'm looking for any of the time is any small edge that's going to help me um in any trade that i can find so but my process takes three minutes when i three to five minutes i can determine whether there's something in the filings tell us i mean it's tell it's us the really process that roland I'm just looking for Tell warrants. Us. I'm looking for at-the-market offerings. Um, anything where there's going to be some dilution, I look at the revenues quickly, see if they make any money whatsoever, uh, if they have any cash, if they're bleeding cash. And it takes, like I said, three to five minutes usually. Um, and if any of the certain criteria that I have come up, then I said, and particularly as a buyer of the stock, um, yeah. I, you know, you'll see a lot of times in the SEC filings, things that directly impact that chart. Like you'll see a, there'll be resistance on a chart and there's a reason for that. It's not just some level of resistance, um, be it yeah. warrants or whatever it is. And it's not a hundred percent of the time. It doesn't, you know, it's not like a concrete thing, but it at least gives me some sort of idea, um, as to if I can buy the stock or not. And, and early on when, when it, before I did that, you know, when you're buying these stocks, I mean, there's a lot of dangers involved. Um, and a lot of things that can stop them from running, which is why they're so why they stay down where they are. So, so that's the main thing I do. It's a real quick process. I'm not doing any serious fundamental analysis or anything, um, but it helps me, and it, and, and it helps. And, and I mean, just, I have yeah. Go ahead. But what I was just gonna say, just so the listener knows. You know, it's it's a it's a learning process. Now, Roland can do it in two or three minutes. I can do it in two or three minutes. But I can do it in ten. <laughs> okay. <There you go. laughs> but but that's good. actually good. That, that's, that's pretty a good. good one. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, Stephen, that's where I was headed. You know, if you're sitting there saying, "Oh, geez, I can't figure out if there's warrants or at the market offerings or what the or what the uh, earnings or revenues or all this are," you will get quicker at it. Um, mm-hmm. You got to repeat, 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 and probably. Nobody has worked as hard or repeated as much as Roland, and that's yeah. why he can. That's why he can do it in three minutes. I agree totally. When I started, it was not It was not always three to five minutes. It was like a hour long sitting trying to find what you know and what the hell that's is tough. all this jargon. And and they're made. And I I believe that a lot of these filings are they're convoluted on purpose. Like they don't want people to really go through two hundred pages yeah. um, of of you know just blabbing on about whatever it is and and um so that's i mean it is true the longer you look at them uh the more you do it becomes easier and faster and you'll find what you're looking for that's it 
But the, the, other, the other really great piece of advice that you give me in Italy, which is also in trading tickers, is dip by breakouts that break out and come back to the support level. And you did that. Was it SRAX? You did this with SRAX, was it? I do it all Just the time. Just a few days ago? Yeah, uh, you I, do it all the time. But I usually it don't buy breakouts. Like, I don't... Uh... Um, I, depending on the volume and time of day though, but for the most part, I don't, I, when I was trying to buy breakouts early on, it really kind of messed me up, uh, particularly under the PDT rule. Cause you can try to buy a breakout, even if you're chasing you're it with all. the crowd I mean, there though. Yeah, yeah. You're buying with the crowd. You're buying with the crowd there. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, and then you have profit takers. You may have some shorts who are just lingering, you know, above the breakout level waiting for you. Um, but, and then the second it would come back down below that breakout level, I think, I think a lot of the masses when it comes to the retail traders, they will buy breakouts and then set their risk at the breakout level. And they think the yeah. breakouts failed if it comes back down below that level, which is, that's how I thought. And I thought that way for like six or seven months, I want to say. Um, so, so I so- would buy breakouts and then I would cut losses. Losses if it went below the breakout, and then it would rip without me, like half the time, I'd say. But still, you're doing what the opposite of people are doing. So everyone's in it for the breakout. The breakout pops up. Everyone kind of uh, takes profits. It comes back down. All of the breakout buyers sell. Mm-hmm. That 90% lose. Then you come in and buy it if it supports the breakout level. Yeah. And then that's kind of when the shorts are covering, thinking, oh, this isn't cracking. They buy back in, and then you ride the momentum. That's a bit technical, but... This is how you kind of have the edge. Yeah, that was, and that's, I mean, that changed, that changed so much for me. Part of that was, came from trading tickers, like hearing Tim Gratani speak about breakouts and how it's, they're, they're choppy. No stock, just my, my original uh, idea of what a breakout was, was break a level of resistance and then fly up. Like that's what I thought a breakout was. And I think uh, maybe, maybe the, just the description, maybe just the word breakout, you know, kind of leads people to, to feel that way for some reason. But but it's not true. I mean, they'll, it'll test, it'll test a couple times maybe. And, and that, so I've been, you know, it, it allowed me to be way more patient. Um, of course, you know, when you're not under PDT, it's, it can be a little bit different, but I was still under PDT when this revelation like occurred. And so rather than setting my risk at the breakout level, I would set risk at, so ideally for me, there'd be some sort of consolidation underneath that breakout level that I could risk off of, as opposed to um, just the risk level. It d- didn't work properly for me. So, so just just very quickly, Roland, just to sum this up in a few words, and Tim knows that I love analogies, and sometimes on the Steady Trade podcast, we're, we're compete for the, the best catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I just want to say, for you, Roland, this means a breakout's more of a marathon, not a sprint. Can I, is, does that work? Does that work? Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's not your best. <laughs> that's, it's not. That's, it's a bit shit. Just say it's shit. Just say it's shit. Not the best. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you 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 were right there, Roland. But you you said it's not your best, Stephen. That might be as bad as that was. It might be Stephen's best in the <laughs> No, but it's true. It's, it's yeah, no, uh, I, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not a sprint, and it's definitely not. Sometimes it is. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes you get a breakout that yeah. just goes nuts. But for, I mean, I'd say at least for me, the ones I've played, 75 percent of the time, that's not how it works, or more probably 90 percent of the time, it doesn't just fly. Um, and so, getting that conception out of my head 
was super helpful when it came to breakouts. And that's why I actually stopped buying the initial breakout because sometimes they'll, you know, they can break out 20, 30 cents or depending on the price of the stock and then pull all the way back to that breakout level um, and then dip below back below the breakout level. And, and the, you know, I would easily, if I'm chasing this breakout, I would easily get stopped out, you know, almost every time if something like that happened right. um, with, you know, when I like buying the pullback because you get to confirm the breakout once it's tested that level and then rips yeah. again, you know, generally it's stronger the second time. This ends part one of the conversation with Roland Wolf. Part two is on its way. And if you haven't watched the video version of this episode on YouTube, come see how handsome Steven actually is. Hi, this is Jeremy from Zimbabwe, Africa, uh, currently living in Texas, and I like to clean the house while listening to Stephen and Tim on the Steady Trade podcast. I actually dump my wife's just in the room next to me, but uh, brownie points, you know what I mean? Uh, you can register to win real, actual prizes at their website, steadytrade.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a glowing review on iTunes like I did. And this is how we say goodbye in Zimbabwe. 